But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, Brett Walsh. The court is nine by nine. This is the nine by nine, and it is our one year anniversary, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, one year later, Woo-hoo! to the best eighty-one square meters of volleyball content you can find on the internet around the world in Mars, Venus, wherever you are. This is the place to be. One year ago, tomorrow, technically on November 9th, it was our first ever show. As always, my name is Everett Lorm, joined by the one, the only, live from Chicago, the voice of the FIVB, or at least should be, Mr. Rob St. Clair. Rob, first and foremost, thank you very much for, for being my partner on this journey. It's been fantastic. We had a little chat earlier today about how it has gone essentially better than either of us could have imagined. And so I will say cheers to that for my water in my red solo cup. Uh, clearly, yes, clearly of course. Water. Clearly, clearly water. Uh, cheers to you, my friend. Uh, I love you. I love the work that we've done this year. I love this show, and I love all of you watching. Absolutely, it has been one year, uh, a lot of fun times. Uh, we've got a nice little, a nice little something, something oh, for, yeah. for you guys for you guys to check out uh, at, at at the end of it. But before that, we just we just wanted to thank you guys for for coming along. Depending on when you started. If you've been here since the beginning, well, we thank you. You're a true OG, but if, if you joined last week, last week was the first time, and you're coming back again, then we salute you as well. Um, it's been a long journey, and it's just the beginning. Yeah, we've had a great year. I mean, 42, this is episode 42, and that's just like of normal episodes. That yeah. doesn't include the, I don't know, all the shows from VNL in Ottawa. It doesn't include, it doesn't include all the world championships coverage, men and women. We've mm-hmm. done a lot. We've done a lot this year, and uh, I love the growth of the show, and I love the people who watch it. And if uh, if you like the show and you haven't already joined the Volleyball Source Discord, uh, get in there because that is really who the show was created for at the very beginning, and it's and it's just snowballed and picked up uh, fans across the volleyball world ever since. So uh, we love you guys. We love that you watch the show. Oh, we hope that you enjoy the little tribute video that we put together at the very end. But uh, Everett, there's still a lot that we have to jump into. The volleyball world never sleeps, and there is big news. There's it's it's, big it's news. been it's it's been a busy week in volleyball. But yeah, there's 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 been some big news for sure. And let's just start off with some news very close to home in North America, especially for Canadians. A couple weeks ago, we on the show broke the news that Volleyball Canada dismissed Ben Josephson as the head men's coach. They have found his replacement, and it is none other than Tuomas Salmelvuo, a very surprising hire. Volleyball Canada has gone foreign. They have brought in Finnish coach Tuomas Salmelvuo, most recently with the Russian men's national team, currently coaching club in Zaksa Kendrzyn Kozle in the Plus Liga. This is a big, big hire. When this came out, I was shocked that Volleyball Canada could afford Mr. Samelvuo, given his resume, but Everett being the Canadian in the in the group here, uh, the voice of Canadian volleyball, I think it's very safe to say. Tell me your thoughts on this hire. First of all, he's not Canadian, and he is probably a little bit expensive. Is this a band aid fix until Canada can find something a little more permanent, or is this the guy? Do you think going forward towards the Paris qualification and beyond? 
I mean, if he's not if he's not the guy towards Paris, like I give up. <laughs> like put a USA jersey jersey on me, and I I give up because there's no way that we should be going through that many coaches. Um, ultimately, I'm not sure. I mean, first and foremost, my thoughts on 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 Samuel Vuo uh, as a coach or as a coach are. I've always I've always enjoyed him. I've always respected him. Um, he works with some of the best teams in the world. I mean, right now he's coaching Zaxa, you know, the two-time defending Champions League um, champions, and uh, you know that's 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 some big shoes to fill. Um, so obviously, I think that he has that international pedigree. Obviously, coming from from the Russian national team. I mean, let's be honest here. It's kind of a best-case scenario for Volleyball Canada the fact that. He was coaching for a team that essentially got disbanded from inter- international play. So if he wanted to coach internationally, there wasn't many opportunities and really not that many jobs uh, available. Um, so it makes sense there. Um, part of me wants to credit Volleyball Canada for this, but the other part of me knows that this is just uh, Glenn Hogue pulling some strings and 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 pulling in pulling a, asking a favor from one of his friends. I mean, we saw it from the if you just slid the post over for Volleyball Canada, it was a. a host of of Hogue and Samir Vuel uh, sitting arm in arm. I mean, this is a guy who's played in Canada multiple times, you know, um, and, and has a lot of respect for Glenn Hogue and, 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 and vice versa. Um, and ultimately, I do think this is a good hire. Um, it's, it's the best case scenario. You know, I think everyone here knows what I would have preferred for, for my best case scenario, but that's obviously not, uh, uh, not possible for, for whatever reason. I don't really want to get into it, but uh, since my number one choice can't be there, I think Samuel Vuo is a, is a good choice. Um, I do have a few reservations. First and for- foremost, like this is a guy who's going to be coming in completely blind to the Canadian system. True. You know, they're completely True. blind to h- how guys are, are, are brought up. Um, and this isn't a guy who has the rapport that Antigua had with Glenn. Like these are the, these guys are, have, have been competitors and there's a lot of respect as, as far as my knowledge, of course, this is all speculation, but you know, Glenn and Antigua had had that experience working together. Whereas, you know, Samuel Vuo and, and Glenn haven't, um, my second, uh, reservation is when push comes to shove, what happens, right? If things get too complicated, what happens? Like you mentioned at the outtake, can volleyball Canada afford him? I'm not entirely sure. Right, but he's still going to be coaching for Zaxa. He's not going to be giving giving up that giving up right. that role. So what happens if push comes to shove? Right, we saw what happened with with Antigua two years, and after that he was gone and he couldn't do it anymore. We saw what happened with Tom Black one year with the women's team and he couldn't do it anymore. And then we saw what happened before that with the women's team with Marcello Abodanza and how he came in and it was a completely wrong fit for the culture and he just didn't understand Canadian volleyball culture. So there's a huge question mark for me in, in terms of that. Now, does he know the international game? Absolutely. Of but at the course. end of the day, our, yeah. our athletes aren't going to be any different, right? It's still, it's still going to be the same guys out there. Now, Mars, it looks fantastic this year. So has Lepke, you know, thing, things are looking like they're, they're right in the ship and everyone's going to have a little bit of more of experience next year. So like, I think, I think there's, there's positivity there. Third of all though, and most importantly, is like is this like you mentioned is this the band-aid guy who's just going to get you to paris and then we're going to go look further or is this the guy that's looking towards the long term and if he's looking towards the long term i just look at his track record with finland this is a guy who took over the finnish national team in 2013 and finland was a team like they were a team playing world league they were a team at the european championships they were a team at world championships where was finland in 2019 when he left them Right, right now they're ranked forty-first. They're brutal, and you're absolutely so, right. Finland used to be 
good. Finland, right? Finland I, used to when he was when he was good. playing and and like like you know we've we've got Finnish guys in the chat who who remind us after the time Finland was good. And now this is like pure speculation. I know nothing about what was going on in the scenes, like behind the scenes. Was he was he working with you know re recruitment and development of of the younger age group? Like how how does that work, right? Um, but it's there on his resume and, and within his home country, uh, like, like a, a system that he went from being the captain to the head coach pretty much like, like seamlessly. And he brought them from being, you know, a like a top 15 team in the world. And now they're ranked 41st. You know, you can't tell me that that fall happened from 2019 to now, like the, the, it, it was starting from then. So that that's a, that's a huge potentially red, red flag for me. If, if, you know, you, this is someone that we would look to building, the building towards the future um but ultimately like let's let's be honest he's he's a guy who knows the international game and there's he's a well-respected coach we've seen guys like Stephen marr and riley barnes post about how they're stoked about about having him um but to me i i do think that this is a band-aid and you know come three years after paris whether we qualify or not um i i i will see what happens but let's say I ultimately those... I'm, I'm 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 very excited you know what? The, yeah. the pretty girl at the dance wants to dance with me right now, and I'm gonna enjoy it, enjoy it as much as I can. But I'm in the back of my head. I was like, okay, when's the other foot gonna drop? I think that's that's a very good, both optimistic and very realistic outlook on this hire. Uh, it is by far the best volleyball Canada could have done at the time, given the situation. And I do think that Sam Elvowell will get the best out of what he has in the Canadian gym. And if there was any hope at Canada getting to Paris at this point, I think this is a pretty good guy to get you there. But past that, like you said, I think are really where some of those concerns start to come in about building the program long-term and about the uh, not, not being a Canadian guy and understanding both Canadian and just generally North American sport development and the volleyball systems and the resources that he's used to he will not have especially coming from the russian system of all places so i'm really curious to see how that goes and if if he hangs on after the 2024 olympic cycle but to get canada there i think it's a pretty good move and i'm very interested to see um what how much he is able to get out of what the volleyball canada program has right now so uh we will see but like you said he's jumping in he's going to be jumping in blind in like may right after zox's season ends and gonna have a quick turnaround towards vnl so uh we'll have a lot of time to talk to the canadian guys behind the scenes and kind of see what's going on but yeah we wanted to uh get that talked about first because it's a very big hire uh shall we move on to uh real volleyball real volleyball going on around the world everett yeah, yeah, I think so. I do think that we should maybe reach out to uh, Thomas and see if he he wants to have a little chat, just, just to see what he's he, he's about. You know, uh, I'm all I'm all about like don't get me wrong, like Benjo's my guy. I thought he was the guy for a number of reasons. I've already gone over it, but I am very excited about some some His his resume precedes him, uh, and I he's someone I respect highly in the volleyball world. So if I get a chance to, to chat with him and and just to pick his brain before he he dons the maple leaf, I, I think we're going to do that. So we'll we'll reach out to him, great out call. to him, him and see. If, uh, and see if he wants to chat because yeah, you know, well, a friend friend of the show Eric Shoji happens to play for him right now. So uh, Do, yes, absolutely. So let's uh, let's get that. Actually, can we get uh, can we get Shoji? And I know you did the little Champions League, but I'd like to I'd like I'd like to chat with him in you know, a little little podcast. See, see how he's doing. Would be great. Uh, yeah, that, that 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 can be arranged. So uh, let's move on to volleyball going on in Europe. We got a lot to catch up on. Let's so take much. a look at uh, our. I think it's fair to call it our favorite league in the world, yeah. the Italian it's Super the League. It's, it's the best men's league in the world for sure. It's my personal favorite league to follow because this year, as we've said, it is 
chaos. A, li- chaos. a little less this weekend. A little less this weekend. Things were, right? things returned was... to order just a little bit this weekend. But I mean, other yes. than, other than Perugia at the top, I mean, you can take a look at the standings right there. There, it is really, really, really tight. Even from like two to twelve, it's tight. And two, 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 yeah. I mean, hell, even two to that, yeah, two, two to twelve. Sienna, so Sienna got a match canceled. Sienna versus Padova was supposed to be on on Saturday, and it got postponed to December. I'm not exactly sure why. So uh, maybe Sienna makes it even tighter. I'm joking, I don't. I'm joking. I'm joking. I hope it no, wasn't COVID. COVID. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> don't scare me like that. So, uh, oh, don't uh, all do this that time later. Either. Yeah, we're not going down that rabbit hole again. But uh, here are the standings. Let's jump into some of the matches. I want to spend very little time on this. Perugia beat Milano three zero. They didn't need Wolf- moving. Yeah, they didn't need Wilfredo Leone. He banged his head at the end of the Super Cup. Didn't need him. Still won 3-0. No problem. Moving right along. I think that's enough for that. Uh, this this was the only like this was the only non 3-0 match of the weekend, and it was Lubitsch Ivanova beating Verona 3-1. Now, when Verona came out in the first set, and they made that statement, 25-16, I was, I, I reeled back in my seat a little bit, and like, oh my god, is Verona going to do this again? Unfortunately, no, they cannot sustain it. Lube uh, pretty convincingly won the rest of the match. Lube's serving strategy was all over the place. There wasn't, really wasn't much of a serving strategy in the first set. Well, set said. number two, all in Murikeda. Yep. But once again, yep. you've got what's his face, Stoichev. You're going to start Keda and then bring Gord Perrin in late. Start Keda, bring Gord, Gord Perrin in late. If you leave Gord in there, that the amount of time, and yes, I'm this is a Homer Homer call, absolutely. But <laughs> Gord is going to pass the ball for you, and he plays defense. Right. And that's what happened in every single set. They'd bring in Keda, he'd get served off the court. They'd bring in Cor- Gord and they play catch up. You have Rock Mozic, who led the league in scoring last year, and a seven foot right side dude who no one can stop on the, seven, on the right four. side. <laughs> seven four right side of the dude. Just let Gord, Gord and Gagini, Gagini, I can't. Uh, Gagini is the Libero's name, yeah. Yeah, Uh, I I agree with you. You're you're really sacrificing way too much in serve reception without Gord Perrin in there. I don't know why you brought him in if you're going to sit him on the bench with that sort of veteran experience. He's exactly what a team needs against a serving team like Lubitsch Ivanova. And I want to give them a lot of credit. I, as an American fan, am so stoked about Gabby Garcia Fernandez. My goodness. More colonialism (laughs) against Puerto Rico. (laughs) Gabby looks so good. He had had five aces this match, including one to win the match in the fourth set. He looks gnarly. He is 19 for 32. 19 for 32 and two blocks. He deserves to be playing over Ivan Zaitsev right now. He looks like at at the very least a top half opposite in the league if not top five top three he looks awesome and i cannot wait until march 2024 when he can actually put on a usa jersey kind of just makes me sick but yeah he's <laughs> he's he's so good he's he's so good he's really coming to his own like zaitsev is barely even if even sniffing in the court and uh it, looking but on, on the other side of the thing nikolov in this one 18 for 30 no, no unforced errors only blocked twice got t- uh, t- uh, two blocks and an ace he was really good and i thought he had kind of hit his peak and we were just going to kind of see him fade to the bench and, and, and kind of bide his time and figure some things out but he is not wasting any time out there and he's he's still going for it 
Yeah, Lube's got a nice little flex situation with their three outside hitters because Mattia Botolo in this one was not good at all. Uh, one for no. six with four errors. That's brutal. And so they bring in Marlon Yant, uh, which, of, of course, you can bring in one of the best young prospects in the world off the bench as he continues to try and get more consistently healthy. You then have a little bit of a foreigner issue at that point, so they had to bench Bartolome Chinese in the middle, uh, bring in Enrico Diamantini to have enough Italians uh, so you would rather uh, Yant come in for Nikolov if, if necessary than than Botelho because he's Italian. But when Nikolov goes 18 for 30 and Garcia goes 19 for 32, you're going to win a lot of matches that way. Just just straight up. And the, those two kids, I mean, Nikolov's 18, Garcia's what, what 23. Like, how could you? And then Yant, when he comes in, goes six for 10. How could you ask any more from your young prospects in what was supposed to kind of be a rebuilding year for Lube? Just awesome stuff from from these young studs. Yeah, under 100%. Like, Nikolov is, is just looking so good. He's so smooth. Um, like, we got to see him in Ottawa. Yeah. And it, it was it was a can't fantastic enough about him. Game. Absolutely. Just the way he plays the game, the way he reads the game, the way he moves on the court. Um, and the way he bounced back, because he's had some rough, rough outings, but to see him perform the way he did uh, was 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 really, really good. But yeah, on, on the on the, on the the Lube side of things, I think they're starting to figure it out and think they're starting to work with this team. And I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see see what happens. I know I'm changing my tune, kind of like 180 from last uh, last week when I was like, <laughs> "W2F, who are they?" Uh, but yeah, this was a good outing by them. Yeah, I think it was too. And it's not like Verona was very far off from winning this match. I mean, they lost in overtime no. in sets two and four. Their attacking numbers were unreal: a uh, 56% kills as a team and uh, eight aces, to only 16 errors. That like they are numerically pretty darn good. I think serve reception needs just a little bit of work. And then uh, just to be be the clutch team uh, late in games, which Lube was able to do this time. So uh, this is the most competitive match this weekend for sure, and I enjoyed watching it. Uh, I think we should move on to this one. Uh, Modena 3-0, Chisterna 25-15, 25-19, 25-20. A clinic that I had the pleasure of commentating. Uh, this was a, a nice way to start Sunday morning, get up a nice little hour in a shower. I actually went back to bed before waking oh, up and watching more volleyball. Beautiful. That was beautiful. That's the best so case good. scenario. Wake up, commentate, go scenario. back to bed, wake up again, watch more sports the rest of the day. So good. Anyway, Everett, uh, we, we, we had great reception in the Discord about our, our, our new game. We're going to have a new segment called Guess This Stat Line. All right. Who do you think produced this stat line? 19 for 30 attacking. Only two errors, well above 15% efficiency, 50% efficiency, two blocks, and five aces for 26 points in a three-set match. Guess the stat line. Uh, I'm going to have to guess uh, big boy Addis Legumgia. Ding, ding, ding. What a monstrous, monstrous Monster performance match. by Otis Lagunja. Just absolutely uh, insane. Straight up untouchable attacking and three aces in a row to win it. In he, he was lights off in this one. I had to go so back good. and watch watch the highlights on, on uh, um, online because they, they were ridiculous. I do have to question F.A. Byram, though. You just got slapped by this man, and I know you guys are boys, and I know you guys are grew up. But then your Instagram post is being like, "Always a good time to see big boy," and like, you know, I've always looked up to you. Like, do you think he had like, like, like stars in his eyes seeing Lagumjia? I mean, I know they're both Turkish national teams, but did you like, like, do you think he went easy on him because Chesterna, like, like on on one side, like, great Modena's back, Lagumjia is is, in, and like this is this is peak Lagumjia to me. He'll never put better Beaten up that. on a lesser team, you know? Like, I've yet to see Lagumja stand out in a big match. 
You know, beating Canada at the World Championships doesn't count. We He's were pretty we darn were good against the U.S. in the World Championships. He was. That. He was, but underdog, right? True. Like he's the type of guy I think he's going to thrive against the teams who are way worse than him, and he's going to thrive against the teams that are way better than the team that he's on. But I don't know; like, he just hasn't proven to me if he can get it done when it matters with with the meat and potatoes. Because yeah, he was he was like absolutely light, lights out in this one. But on the other side, just turn as a team that you know we were talking about being at the at the top of the table uh, at at the beginning, and now they've fallen you know with three three losses in a row to three and three. You know, quick 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 dive from the team yeah. from, from the Rome region. Totally. And I hammered that during the broadcast is that I, I, I think that a decent amount of their fall off since that hot start is now six matches in for a lot of these teams, even seven for some. There is data. There is mm-hmm. data. There is there is scouting ability now with large enough sample size on all these teams that that teams with really good preparation ability like Amodena with their support staff can game plan against you more than they could in matches one two or three of the year when nobody knew anything I really think that matters and I think that's a decent enough reason why Chisterna has dropped off a little bit also why on earth are they starting with Jose Miguel Gutierrez at outside hitter instead of F.A. Byram? I was very confused by that. And uh, Ronnie in the chat, Ronnie Cubanspike, who knows this kid, uh, called him the Cuban Jake Haynes. <laughs> and I thought, I thought that was pretty funny. Ooh, and, really? a, and a pretty... Ronnie? Yeah, Ron, Ronnie called him Cuban Jake Haynes. Because when Gutierrez, when Gutierrez was in the juniors, he was the guy. He, like, he, this he dude... did not mean that as a compliment, by the way. <laughs> No, I'm well. I'm well aware, and I even I remember talking to because I like I remember when commentating him when he was like U21s. They used to come to play like they played up in Canada for a few events, and I, I commentated those matches, and he was the guy. He was jacked, and he like like Lopez Magallejo, like wh- whoever was on his teams, like no, like Gutierrez was the man. And I remember seeing him in, in Gatineau, and being like, "Whoa, where's this guy been? I haven't seen seen him years." And talking to Ronnie, apparently he hurt his shoulders, but he used to be the guy. But I agree. Why, why aren't you going with Byram in this one? Like, what, what's going on? Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, Gutierrez played like trash, hit negative efficiency. Again out bench so uh yeah i think you know i was just gonna say you know it's bad when ronaldi scores nine points on you in three sets that is the Um, last thing that i wanted to bring up is that i thought tomaso ronaldi was pretty good uh seven for 11 no errors passed the ball well and his only weakness this time was serving which according to tommy blizzard who's a huge modena fan that's the opposite of how ronaldi usually plays he usually serves well and hits the bick well and passes and hits on the left like trash uh i thought ronaldi looked good he did his job in not losing Modena a game. And if he can do that, and uh, Lugumja can play like that, man, you never know. But that stat line, 26 points in three sets is completely ridiculous. It's almost nine points a set. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely nuts. But yeah, this is what we expected from Lugumja. Now I want to see him do it in March and in April because he's kind of been non-existent in, in those times, usually with uh, injuries and such. So uh, yeah, agreed. this is, this is classic early season uh, Addis for me. Let's see, let's see how he does in uh, later on. Moving right along a couple more three dongs to get to in Italy before we move on with the rest of the world. Uh, this one was a little bit disappointing. I was hoping this match would be closer, but Trentino beat Monza three zero 25, 22, 25, 20, 30 to 28. So a uh, close three sets, but a three-setter nonetheless. Uh, your boy Arthur Schwartz got in there just a little bit. Uh, Stephen Marr yeah, was, was uh, attacking just fine. His passing numbers were not good. And uh, Trentino uh, started Don- Donovan Zavaronok in a revenge game against his former team, and he looked pretty good. Uh, gave Daniele Lavia the day off, and uh, Trentino, turns out, is a really good team again. Who knew? Yeah, I mean, t- for me... As you said, I was a little bit disappointed with Monza. They just didn't have that click and that that spark 
that they've had in the past few weeks with wins over Lube and, and Piacenza. Um, but I also think that in terms of Monza, Monza is a really gritty team and Trentino isn't necessarily a team that you can break down with their grittiness because of how good they are on the ball everywhere like and, and how and how systematic and clinical they are with their breakdown of, of throughout, throughout the match, right? That like to me is like there's no better team systematically and within system and, and that, that plays under a system than, than Trentino. You've got seven guys even past that who are all bought in and, and they work together so well. Right. Like you've got some of the some of the greatest. And this is why they're one of the best teams in the world is because you've got some of the best players in the world, not necessarily the best. Right. No one in their position, except for maybe Lushniach and Podraskinin, but even then their, their days are behind them. Like no one in their position is the, is the best player in the world. Right. If you look at compared like to the Lubes and and the, the Perugias and even the Modenes. But the way they work together is so good. And I just don't think the grittiness of a Monza can be really through that. And that's why Trentino is so consistent. That's a really, really good take. I, th- I think polished is a great word for Trentino. Polished and really polished, yeah. polished and, and, like and, and, and in their system. I mean, we talked about the, the three outside hitter thing that they have run and the real identity they've developed in the past couple of years. And now, more recently, it's been less of a three outside hitter system. Matej Kaziski is playing true opposite for this team. Bro, he's lined he's up. Dear. He's lined up Angels across from yo, totally lined up total across from Ricardo Spertoli, where last year it was Lavia who lined up across from Spertoli. And Kaziski hitting almost exclusively on the right side looks awesome. He looks awesome. And it's it's best case scenario because this dude isn't playing national team. He hasn't played nationally for the past few summers. You know, he's just chilling. Like you're feeling, yeah. you know, sipping wine, Aperol spritzes in Italy, go back and hang out in Bulgaria a little bit, maybe, you know, hit up the, the, the Amalfi Coast or, or whatever in the, in the, uh, the summertime. Wait, and you, then, wait, are you talking about a professional athlete that actually has an off season? I know no. it's impossible in volleyball. But no, if you don't no team, way. That's, that's, exactly what you, that's exactly what happens. Imagine um, being, I, being able to elongate your career significantly without playing 12 months a year. Who knew? Who would have guessed? What's Robert Landy with Simone been doing for the past five, six, seven years before Kibo let yeah. him back in? Why is he one of the best players in the world at age 34? Hmm. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. But yeah, like th- this guy is just going out there. He doesn't really have to pass anymore. Does You know, he's, he just gets to be a banging right side. And that's kind of like his bread and butter. He's a high flyer with a good arm. Let him swing away. You've got Lavia and Micheletto, who both are fantastic all around they play good defense, have good ball control, pass well. Like, yeah, you've got a three-hitter system, but it's much closer to a conventional, like, two left sides and a right side right now yeah. in Trentino, and it's working for them. Yeah, it is. And I like the way that you identified Monza as a gritty team. I think they are, especially they, ha- having turned over – they've turned over setters already this year. I think Jurgi Grozer is the definition of a gritty right side. And I think that Steven Marr can really be a gritty guy and fits in well on this team. Same with, like, a Davi Skiba Davi character. Skiba as well, Totally too, a gritty 100%. character. 100%. Even, even, even Zimmerman, they're all guys yeah. who play at that top yeah. level and aren't necessarily viewed as, like, the guys. Yeah, you know, maybe I, except for Gro- Grozer now, but let's, let's be honest. Years ago. Like everyone years ago yeah he's everyone sees him as past his prime so it's just a good collection collection of guys and I, I'm, I'm excited to see how it happens um maybe you might want to start like putting arthur schwartz in the middle sometime i don't know how, how that works you are missing I, a little bit in the middle i don't but, i don't think they have the foreigners to do that I, I yeah think... i haven't i haven't really looked at i haven't looked at that but uh um yeah i don't know monza for me is in that like 
like for me, the, the race between them and Piacenza and the past few years has been those two just like duking it out, especially because they've been switching players and every, every which way it's a little bit of chaos. But Monza just kind of takes like the hard nose approach. Piacenza takes the I'm going to pay a lot of money. People are going <laughs> to underperform for me approach. Uh, and they kind of meet somewhere in the middle. So that that race between those two and now you bring in Modena, who's who's kind of falling that those three teams, maybe adding a Milano. That's a good group, I think. Yeah, but I mean, look, take a look at the standings again. Monza hasn't done themselves any favors. I mean, they started two and four. I know they lost their starting setter. They lost Cachopa to an ACL. Uh, they had to bring in Jan Zimmerman late. Then they made a little bit of a pushback. They still have some climbing to do in the standings. But I, I think that's a good comparison between them and Piacenza. Monza, way more likable, way more fun to watch. I think that's. And I mean, the, the, the end of the day, they're what? A game behind Piacenza. They're two and four. Uh, in ninth place, Piacenza's three and three at fourth. So, like, you know, we're talking yeah. about pennies that are separ- separating these teams at, at, at this point in this the season, and I suspect that like like that's what my feeling was watching the games this weekend that everything was starting to settle down. Guys are starting to get into get into the groove after a long international season. They're getting the groove in the 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 pro teams, and I think things are going to start to uh, you know even out a little bit. And I mean, Perugia is Perugia. They they're just yeah. going to tr- keep on trucking. Uh, we had a question before I move on. Uh, how was Grozer? He was great. Uh, 17 for 35 only two errors uh plus an ace in the block like that's that's an awesome attacking stat line so he's certainly not the problem uh passing was the one thing i can point out in the stat sheet that was the problem for moans at this time but even though this was 3-0 they really didn't lose this match by much so i think they're going to be fine uh we just talked about piacenza uh speaking of piacenza they very very cleanly 3-0'd in hour in a shower fashion taranto on saturday this is the only match on saturday 25 16 19 23 uh, Eric Lepke was fine. Uh, seven for 14 attacking, no errors, plus an ace and good passing numbers. Uh, but that was it. <laughs> Nothing else to, I had to, to say about this. To, to me, uh, I think this was more about Piacenza. Like at the end of the day, Piacenza just has the firepower to make it difficult for everyone. Um, and it clicked a little bit today for uh, in this one on, on Saturday for, for, for them. Uh, I still want to see them do it against a good team. Uh, beating up on Toronto is, I mean, Toronto, I'm, I'm not going to get like Stephanie and, and, and Lepke. Uh, they're looking pretty good, but I mean, with Leal, Lucarelli, Romano, he's off. Like, this is a team that should be fighting for the Scudetto. Exactly, absolutely. So they kind of got into it. They kind of got into it a little bit in this one. So that's good for them. Piacenza had seventy-one percent kills as a team. That's as high as I've seen in a very, very long time. And they only set Robert Landisimo on seven balls because they only needed two. Must be nice. Uh, yeah, I think that that's it. That's it for that match, right? Yeah, really. That, that's that's uh, that's that's uh, exactly. That's about it. Cool. So let's stay in Italy and look at the Italian Women's League. It's about time we pay some attention to the Italian Women's League. Uh, the Lega Folli Femminile is back. They've got a little rebrand going on, like a league-wide rebrand. They've got a new logo. They've got a very much redesigned website. And I was as I was navigating it today. I was struggling to find things. Uh, but, oh, I know. I'm still, I'm still working through it here. <laughs> yeah, their uh, stats, their stats are a little bit scattered. There is like a proper stat report if you know where to look. It took me a while to find it, but the, oh, I, okay, I, can you share it with me, please? Because I still yeah, cannot find them. It's it's in our notes document. At least at least one of them is. Uh, but you got to you got to be very careful. You don't need to go down the path of FIVB caliber stats. That gets pretty rough pretty quick. Uh, but uh, they're about five games in the Lega Volley Femminile. Most teams have played five games at this point. And basically, no surprise, we've got three undefeated teams in the league. That's Novara, Corneliano, and Monza. They're the three best teams in the league from last year. 
they all three had great off seasons. Uh, Corneliano without Paolo Negonu still looks great. Novara looks great. Uh, Monza needed five sets to beat. I think it was Perugia, like a very mid team. But uh, other than that, they look great. Uh, Chieri has been a pre- pleasant surprise at a four and one. And Scandici wanted to talk about them as well. Also four and one. More, more importantly, Zhu Ting is back. Uh, Zhu Ting start, she she started she and played a is. full match. Uh, Zhu Ting started a match against Pinarolo, and they're terrible. They're 0-5, but uh, she was great. Went 15 for 34, uh, passed the ball reasonably well, uh, only made two attacking errors, and it's great, great to see one of the best players in the world back out there. It's been too long since we've seen her. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I was ever like, like she was rumored to go to uh, Vakuf Bank at certain points last year, and I was even wondering if we we're ever going to see her again. Yeah. But the fact that she's come to the best best league in the world and it hasn't taken her that long to get going again, very interesting. Very interesting. Like, man, like on the men's side, you've got Perugia and everyone else, but that run at the top on the women's side, now you've got those three undefeated teams. I think there's more there who are, who are going to be able to compete for it too. This this women's season is going to be very intriguing so far, and I, th- I think it's, it hasn't really gotten going yet, but I think we're going to hit it soon. Yeah, and there, uh, I mean, you you and Tommy Blizzard did a great preview on the whole uh, League of Olive Feminine, so go check that out if you haven't already. But a whole lot of transfers, so many transfers, so many. I'm, so I'm, many transfers, I'm still yeah, trying absolutely. to keep up with them. I'm still just remembering that uh, Haley Washington plays for Scandici now, for example, as I look at that stat sheet. Scandici's issue to me uh, is the consistency of Ekaterina Antropova. I mean, she's the girl at opposite this year. We we know her story. She's going to take some time. She's going to take some time. Nine for 30 she's this young. one with eight errors. Like, she, she's young. She's going to take some time. But uh, that, 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 that team will go as far as her level of consistency, I think, can take her. Because when you have two outside hitters like Juting and Elena Pietrini, they can easily punch up there with Monzo, Caneliano, and Novara. Talking about Scandici. And, I mean, everybody else is basically where you and Tommy kind of placed them in the preview with the exception of Busto Orsizio. They do not look good so far. One four. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of questioning Busto's lineup when, when I, I, I brought them in. I mean, they haven't really been playing um, Carly Lloyd uh, that, all that much. And other than that, you got Rosa Maria on the on the right side uh, and Lina Stigrot. But yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't too impressed with, with that whole collection of players for me it's more so i didn't think kieri was going to be as as good as they've been so far uh and they've and they've been they've been fantastic so far at at, at four and one that was not a team uh that i was i was expecting to be uh, great and the other team that i was expecting to be a little bit better would be firenze uh with brit herbots on them only two and three so far i would have expected herbots to kind of you know help that team uh move up a little bit I think that's a pretty good take. I mean, it's still very early uh, in the League of Life Feminile season, but uh, Firenze, I thought, had a pretty good offseason. It has, just hasn't quite shown up so far. I'm looking at Chieri's roster again because I know Ali Franti's not there anymore, but who did they bring in? They brought in Olivia Rozanski, the Polish girl who I really like. They still, yeah. have, they still have Kaya Grubelna. They still have Bosio setting. They still have Weitzel in the middle. They still have Mazzaro in the middle. Like I remember liking this team last year. But I think four and one has got to be a pleasant surprise. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think, yeah, I'm just looking at their their results so far, um, and they haven't really played any uh, anyone. Their one loss is going to come come to Conigliano. Like they played Casamaggiore, they played Cunio, they played Macerata, Conigliano, and Firenze. Um, so yeah, they haven't really played anyone um, that's 
two out there getting the win over Fikenze, I think is, is really, really good to put them at, at, at four and one, but they're still missing some of the, you know, they're not playing any of those top teams just yet. Right. And I mean, there's, there's seasons very early. There's a bunch of teams in the league with 14. So 26 matches in the regular season is a lot. Uh, let's, let's see before I move on. What's, what's coming up this weekend. Uh, there's a question in the chat. Are we really sure the Lega Volley Feminula is the best women's league? And you got to preface this. This is coming from a Turkish fan. So, and I, I understand that the Turkish League is really good, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, I promise, because my, my, my critique of the Turkish League the past couple of years is the bottom of the Turkish League is mm-hmm. terrible. Way, way, worse than the, way worse than the bottom of the Italian Women's League, but I think the middle tiers of those two leagues are more competitive this year than in the past, so maybe there's an argument there. Uh, let, let, me look at, let me look ahead at the... What, what, anything good this weekend? Let's see. Ooh, Corneliano versus Novara. That's tomorrow. That's a bang. Ooh. That's what awesome. What time is that at? What uh, time is that at? Two thirty. Two thirty p.m. Eastern. Uh, that's a banger. That that's like it's a rescheduled one from round nine. Must be to adjust for either Super Cup or Champions League. Uh, not sure which, but that is a huge one. So I'm I'm looking forward to watching Sick. that tomorrow. Let's Other that. than that, for the weekend, uh, not much. Novara versus Kieri is okay. That's about it. Yeah, I mean that'll be Kieri's first real, real test, yeah. and I suspect Navarro to 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 drop uh, Kieri down to four and two. I would agree with you. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on to the Polish league on the men's side. Uh, so the Plus Liga is going on at all times. There's all sorts of matches. There were two full rounds of matches played since the last show that we did, and uh, you can look at the standings here, Everett. There is now only one undefeated team remaining in the Plus Liga. It is Yashemski Vengiel. The uh, JW looks right now like the best team in the league. They are now four points clear of second place. Uh, they did play a Seca Rosovia head to head. We'll talk about that match in just a minute. Uh, but there's there's a lot going on at all times. But now, finally, eight matches in, one team has risen to the top. Uh, I'm going to pull this one on you. Uh, whose stat line is this? Ooh, 114 points, 14 aces, 70, uh, seven blocks, 63% kills, and 52% efficiency. On the season? On the season. So hit me with those numbers one more time. 114 points, 14 aces, 7 blocks, 63% kills, 52% efficiency. Okay, I'm using context clues. I'm going to go ahead and guess. Is that Stefan Boyer's stat line? That is Stefan Boyer. <laughs> Two years <laughs> ago, start. he was playing in Qatar. Dude, what a start. He, Stefan Boye. His resurgence wow. is is so cool to see because he's so freakishly fun to watch. I mean, all yeah. the best, all the top five clips that we got from Ottawa were all from Stefan Boye when we saw him Dude. there playing for the French team. And he's, a monster. he's insane. And like I've said, JW, as good as the team they're going to be, they need Stefan Boye to be the guy. And so far, he is. He looks great. Yeah, he, he does look great. JW looks great, and I don't really see anyone on that in that league really fighting with it. You know, Zoxa isn't the Zox of of past. Um, you know, Rusovia they just took town and they're not looking fan, fantastic. Olshin not looking great either. I don't so, know what's going like, on with Olshin. I wanted Spraw, to talk Zavici, Zavici, Like I don't know. I I think right now this looks like a one pony race for JW, but I have to say like. 
in years past, it looked like it was going to be the same for Zoxa. Uh, and, you know, they, they haven't gotten jump, the job done. So it, it's still early, but JW, looking good. They look great. Uh, yeah, Xavier Che, not quite as good to start the season as maybe we thought. Zoxa's lost a couple weird ones. Uh, a couple of matches I wanted to go over with from the last week before we dive into um, Yashemsky versus Rosovia in more detail. You you, you mentioned Olshtim. I... I, I in our preview with Adenos on the Plus Liga season, I was really excited about Olsten. They've got Taylor Averill and Josh Tuininga. Uh, they've got good wings all the way around. They've got Carol Butrin. What is up with them? They got three dong by Gdansk, and that was not very impressive to me. They're sitting in 10th in the standings right now. I don't know. I haven't really seen them play at all last year. I was a big fan of Olsen last year. Something about that Taylor Averill, TJ DeFalco, whole mix-up they had going on. But it's just not really working for me this year. It's just, I, I, I can't really put my finger on it. I would have to watch them some more. Um, but to me, Tuaniga's always been like a guy that can bring a team together, just the way he runs that offense. Um, and when you look at the guys that they like, they have on the, this offense, to me, the only... Like yeah, you have Lipinski and Karlacek. I don't know. Like that's, everything, that and, and, but like every to, yeah, everything like on paper. Like, on paper, they're supposed to be good, and that's all I'm judging off of right now because I haven't watched them for one second. But yeah, on paper they should be good, but uh, I just I, I really don't know. Do, do you know? I don't. I don't really know either. Know, do you know? Yeah, I don't know. Subtle side. The, the the eye test just doesn't look quite like the 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 names do on paper. Uh, we we talked about uh, Stal Nissa starting the year pretty well. I mean, they were very close to getting relegated last year. You see them in fourth. Uh, they did lose a head scratcher to Luke Lublin, who has Dustin Watton, Nico Scherzen, Jeff Jendrick, uh, a couple familiar names to North Americans. Uh, so that was a bit of a weird one. Uh, since the last show we did, we had Rosovia versus Zaxa head to head. And Rosovia smoked them 3-0. Wasn't overwhelmingly close. I know Zox was missing a couple guys. David Smith didn't play. Uh, Eric Shoji didn't play the whole match. But uh, Rosovia looked great in that one. But that brings me to this. Uh, this match of the two teams that at the time were undefeated and only one can remain. Uh, JW beats Rosovia 3-0. Uh, set scores were, let's see here. Uh, 26, 24, 24, 25, 23, 26, 24, 24. So it was a banger. And I watched this match. It was really fun. Rosovia put themselves in positions to win, especially in sets one and three, and unfortunately choked both of them away. Uh, JW looked great. And unfortunately, I have to give credit to a certain Jan Hadrava, who, who, came in and really contributed. I, oh. I think he had an ace to win the match, if I remember correctly. It was either an ace to win it in the third or the second set. Uh, so he came out, He came in off the bench, which he should be good at doing. Hadrava is a guy who's great at coming off the bench. Came in off the bench in a double substitution, ripped an ace to win it. Uh, so good for him. Uh, Stefan Boyer otherwise was awesome. 47% efficiency. Tomas Fornal was great. Yuri Glotter was great. Uh, and on the Rosovia side, just not quite you know, good enough you know who i'm very underwhelmed with on rosovia i, I think i know clearly, i think I know who you're gonna say and it's clearly not a good fit and i think we all know why but that's gonna be Jakob kukanovsky that's exactly what i thought you were gonna say five for 12 five for 12 he's hitting at 25 percent, only 42 percent efficiency out of the middle this is a dude who used to see like hit like like 70 percent and he, it is just not working out right now with Drizga. Like, I just don't think 
Drizga's lazy setting. Like, I'm just gonna go out there and set it. Like say it. Like Drizga is like a Decheco wannabe without the skill. You know, if Decheco oh, had I no skill that. and no that. hands, he'd be Drizga. And Drizga is just like kind of fat, kind of drunk most of the time. Um, I know for a fact that he may have got, may or may not have got kicked off the national team at some point uh, because of that. Um, but like he just doesn't. You know, he just like. Like, like I'm trying to think of a comparison. Like, well, you like, nailed it. It's, 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 it's Luciano DiCecco without the hands, without the skill. You absolutely nailed it. I mean, flashback to the World Championship, right? When I, on this very show, ranted so hard that the USA didn't do enough to defend against Jakob Kokonovsky, going like so fifth, good. Going, going like 15 for 16 or something, absolutely insane. And here he is going five for 12. What's the difference? The man who's setting him the ball. And we yeah. talked about this coming into the year. Me and Adnos talked about this. We've been saying for years that Fabian Zizka will put a ceiling on any team that he's on from his inability to set the ball to the middle and forwards. The only ball he can set is behind him for some reason, and they've been playing a backup opposite this Jakub Buitski character. And yeah, uh, doing all right, nine for thirteen. Yeah, he's he's fine, but I mean that that's the weakest attacking position on your team because you have three great outside hitters and you can't even play all of them, and then you have to bench Masi and Muzai on the right side, and that's the only ball that your setter can set. So this is the I know it's only one loss, but this is the Rosovia thing starting to come and do Rosovia curse sort of things like we see year over year. Hundred percent. And I mean, I think Rosovia is almost kind of like a Piacenza, but not in the same way where they're just going to throw a lot of money at the players and they just don't have the systems in behind. Because to me, like, why do you have a guy like Thibaut Hassal just sitting on the bench? You know, everyone saw the magic that that TJ DeFalco and Thibaut Hassal did two two years ago, two, three years ago, whatever, when they when they played at Vivo together. And that was magical, right? That was a team that finished fourth in the Super League in the regular season, then lost in the quarterfinals in a tough in a tough quarterfinal matchup, right? But now, like, you know, the Bang Bros aren't, a, aren't able to play together. Um, and I mean, I know you have Chabul out there out there as well, but give Hassal a, a sniff, you know, do do something out there. Because it's just not clearly not working together. They they have they definitely have problems with the foreigner limit doing that. But uh, I mean, I I think you can go ahead and say that that Rosovia is the Piacenza of Poland or the other Absolutely. way around. I think Absolutely. they're very similar in that way. But again, credit to JW. Uh, they look awesome. They are on top of the standings in the Plus Liga right now, and they won a Champions League game earlier today, which we'll talk about in a minute. Before we talk about Champions League, I want to talk about this. Uh, speaking of the Turkish Women's what League, what is happening? What is Dude, what is going on? What is going on? Fenerbahce comes out. They beat Vakif Bank for the Super Cup. They 3 0 them, if I remember correctly. And then they promptly turn around and get 3 donged by Jaja Basha. And uh, Tiana Boscovich was unbelievable. 25 points. Uh, let me pull up the full stats. Uh, where's her full stat line? 22 for 33. <laughs> 22 for 33 attacking with four errors. It's 67% kills plus two blocks and an ace. I mean, this woman has not slowed down. She is absolutely gnarly. And, and Fenerbahce just falls asleep immediately after winning the Super Cup. I'm confused by the Turkish Women's League. I mean, it's, it's still very early, but like you were saying earlier in the chat, I mean, like Galatasaray is good. THY is good. Like the middle of the pack teams are kind of good. But this... Uh, is 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 very surprising. Very surprising. Well, I mean, you've got Fedorotseva who's going six for twenty-one out there, get with two unforced errors and getting blocked twice. You know, yeah, if your it. best player doesn't show up to that level, then you know, yeah. And like, 
one thing I have a massive amount of respect for Tiana Boscovich is the fact that she's like, I don't know about her contact, contract situation. In a couple of not great years with Exasabashi, and she's just stayed there, right? There's never been any rumors about her moving on. There's never been any anything like that. But she's just been kind of standard and 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 just stuck stuck with that team. And you know what? I've got a lot of respect for that. Uh, Berkat Kuchuk in the chat makes a good point. Ajajabasha isn't playing with Hande Baladin and Saliha Sahin at the same time anymore. And uh, I think maybe that does help. Yeah, Irina Voronkova is the other outside hitter. And she went 10 for 20 with one error. So if you can't find any production out of Turkish outside hitters, how about you play a foreign outside hitter? Imagine yeah, that. I mean, so that worked out for him. Imagine that. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we want to go back to that conversation between what's the best league, uh, Italy or, or Turkey. And yeah, Italy has the consistency all the way through. But this top end in Turkey is absolutely disgusting. Once we get to the point of the playoffs, semifinals and even quarterfinals and past, like it's going to be disgusting. And yeah. you know, you know that Turkish teams are going to just be sniffing. They're going to be sniffing for for a, a Champions League title like like between Exasabaji and and uh, Fenerbahce and of course Vakufbank, does that's can they go three, one three? Yeah, that's three gnarly teams in Champions League. I don't know about one, two, three. I don't know about that. I still think Corneliano Novara are good enough to compete. I think that one of them could or maybe will make the finals. We'll talk about that more as Women's Champions League starts in about a month. But uh, yeah, the top of the Turkish League is gnarly. And I'm looking forward to seeing Tiana Boskovic and company back in Champions League after a year playing CEV Cup kind of randomly. Uh, so anything oh, else about... Oh, I didn't know they, they are in CEVPR. Sorry. I was no, Zajibasha is, is in Champions League. They, they played oh, okay. CEV Cup last year, uh, which, yes, which was... You're right. Yeah, they, they they kind of fizzled out early in CEV Cup last year, which was weird because they, I guess they lost a third place series the year before. But they're back. They're back in Champions League where they belong and uh, I expect them to do pretty well. Okay, uh, speaking of Champions League, uh, should we talk about the Men's Champions League because it started today? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Funny let's, that. Let's, 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 let's just jump into that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Champions League is back, boys and girls. Uh, there were Champions League matches played in the fourth round today. And so the fourth round is the main round of Champions League. Uh, if, if you want kind of a, a baseline on Champions League, uh, me and Eric Shoji did a great preview of the season a couple weeks ago here on this YouTube channel. So go check that out. Uh, so we, we won't talk about all the all the pools that much. We already kind of went over that. But there were two matches today. Uh, Yashemski destroyed Novi Sad from Serbia 3-0. Absolutely no problem. No surprise. The other one that happened today was a lot more interesting. A pool B match between the Berlin recycling volleys who make it out of make it to the playoffs every year in Champions League and Haybar Pazardzik of Bulgaria went five. And Berlin had to win and Berlin had to win the fourth in overtime to even get it there before winning fifteen to twelve. I admit I did not watch this match. I watched most of the JW match earlier. Everett, did you see this? What happened here? Uh, I did not see this one, um, but uh, Jacopo Masari going off, absolutely off in this one. Um, and yeah, I'm honestly going to have to go back and watch this one and and see because I, I didn't see it. I just saw the score as we were prepping uh, for this game. 
it does kind of reaffirm my whole question mark on Berlin this year. Though. Oh, yeah. Like, just looking at this Berlin roster, you've got a lot of quality through it, but is it a Champions League-level roster? Is this a lot of roster that you're going to take to the you know, to the quarterfinals or the round of 16 or whatever whatever it may be? Like, is this a team that you're going to... Is this going to be a team that you're going to get out of pool with? I, I just really don't know when you've got, like, Hulkbank and you got Tavirchi and who's the, who's going to be the, the other team? Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be... Pizarro's yeah. they put today, yeah. You know what? That's, that's, like, you're going for five against Pizarro's and you still got Hulkbank and Tavirchi. Like, Hulkbank, let's be honest, is a really, really good team. We're going to we'll talk about them I'm, I'm sure a little bit later on with Namir and Micah Ma'a. Uh, and Zavieci is one of the top teams in Poland. So I don't know if, if, if Berlin can can barely handle the top team from Bulgaria. How are they going to do for with teams from Turkey and Poland? That's exactly what I wanted to bring up, is that I think Pool B, as we just got a point in the chat, each pool has a clear winner other than maybe Pool B. I agree. Pool B is the most stacked pool top to bottom. And Eric Shoji brought it up on the show. This was even when, when we did it a month ago. This was even before... Hebar Pizardzik had qualified for the fourth round, but Eric projected correctly that they would qualify, that they would be in this pool, and that they would be a difficult out. And sure enough, uh, Pizardzik usually is kind of a team that has a bunch of much o- older former Bulgarian national team guys. So talking like Todor Alexiev on the right side, or on the outside, Teodor Salparov at libero, Viktor Yosefov in the middle, yeah. Dobromir Dimitrov setting. They have Simon Hirsch, who's a German opposite. Like th- this... This team has recognizable names. And if you're Berlin and you can't even take a full three points against your four seed in your pool, you have really hurt yourself in making making it out to the playoffs because the Xavierci match and Ankara matches will not get any easier. Yeah. No, I just look at this Berlin roster and it's good. I mean, I like it overall. I like it for the German league. Like they're going to run through the German league, and especially since Friedrich Schaffen is looking at me. Uh, but like what? You've got Trinidad de Haro dish in the butter yeah namia mote and and anton bram in the in the middle um it's a, that's a good middle duo but that's kind of where it ends for me and i, I like mark yeah, uh, on the right side but the outsides like ruben shot was good today uh timothy carl took a million swings uh they, 27 points though yeah it's a lot right. of points 22 for 36 is a pretty good performance but like it's just eh. you know like merrick sotola and, and and timothy carl are not high level international players no they're not like they're 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 not international players even really at all um so i i think that's an issue like if you look at back back in like you know the heydays of berlin and with with the rosters that they had like that's uh that's a little scary you know this is a team that's talking about going into the plus liga like right now with this (laughs) roster come on be serious yeah that's insane so uh, speaking of Champions League, so those two matches happen today. We've got a bunch more going on tomorrow and Thursday. So every men's team is playing this week, all 20 of them. Uh, a couple other matches that pop off the page. I mean, Lube plays Benfica from Portugal. That's a beatdown. Uh, Durin, the power volleys Durin from Germany, plays Zirat Bankasa Ankara. They're probably the best team in Turkey. Well, uh, the, either them or Hawkbank, one of the two. Hulk, I'm, I'm going to give that to Hawkbank for sure. Yeah, Zerot's the reigning champions. That, that, that league's actually really good. We should talk about them more. But uh, that match might be good. Uh, Perugia versus Ljubljana will not be good. Neither will Zaxa versus Carlo Varsco. But a really good one. Talking about Pool B, Zavierce versus Hawkbank Ankara on Thursday. Namir and Micah Ma'a versus, like, Euros Kovacevic, Barcos Kvolek, like that David Konarski, that that whole crew, that match is going to be really good. Yeah, 
yeah, there's, I'm just excited that Champions League's back. I know it takes a little bit of time to get going again, but there's just something about Champions League that's just, it's it just Champions League's the so soul. awesome. Champions just League's so awesome. Soothes the soul. Absolutely. Um, yeah, noon Eastern Thursday, uh, Xavier Chief versus Hongpeng. And I also think that uh, Friedrichshafen versus Montpellier is going to be a good match as well. Uh, pool A. Uh, that's Thursday, I mean, 2 p.m. Eastern. Brutal in the French yeah, they've been this year. From the like, French can, can we talk about this like curse that's going on? You've got Cannes two years ago that wins the French League. like <laughs> oh, outright, God, right? they And then they got year. relegated last year. Montpellier wins the French League last year. And now they, they're in the bottom of the league. Like, what is going on in France? What What is going on? What, a lot what, of competitive like, games. A lot, a lot of competitive volleyball Bro. going on in France. But Absolutely. It's, it's weird that the, the team that wins the French League just always tanks the following year and especially like embarrasses themselves in champions league so we'll see what happens to montpellier we've got uh tours versus nacro solari as well on thursday and then trentino versus some belgian team called menon that i've never heard of and we've got one belgian guy in the chat who says menon is thanks for participating tier will probably be the worst team in champions league so uh don't bother watching that one okay yeah i mean menon was a team that like traditionally it's always rosalaire and it's always um um yeah. when in the belgium league men in snuck in there and that's you know a year that they give another year another team to the the belgian league so it's because the russian league doesn't have any teams this year and it, 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 we've got we've i mean eric and i talked about it on the show it it obviously needs to be addressed that without russian teams in champions league the overall field is weaker nobody would ever debate that and so there are some teams in champions league this year that probably don't belong there i think men might be the most egregious offender on that yeah Hundred percent. I I would totally agree. So one more thing before we move on from Champions League, I want to remind everybody of the format this year because the criteria for making it out are different than they used to be. Because you used to have to either win your pool or be like the top three out of the five second place teams. Not the case anymore. Now there are eleven teams that make it out, which is weird, uh, but it's actually kind of nice because if if you win your pool or if you get second in your pool, you advance automatically. And then there's one more team. The best-ranked third-place team also makes it out, and you seed it into a bracket that looks kind of like this, where all five pool winners get a bye, and the other six teams have to play one, one uh, home-and-away series before that. So just a reminder that the bracket format in Champions League this year is a little bit different, and more teams make it out. So keep that in your mind as we think about pool criteria and how things are going in pools. Because no matter what, if you get second in a pool this year, you advance, whether it's like a pool B that's stacked or a joke of a pool like some of the other ones. Bro, why can't we do things normally? Hey, I kind of like this bracket. I kind of like this bracket. You you give it you give a buy if you win your pool no matter what. I think that's a good idea. And uh you get you get a couple more teams that make it out. Now that and that now that'll produce some some bad second round matches. Uh but those first round series will probably be pretty competitive and you just get and you you reward everybody for winning their pool. And no drawing of lots. That's the part that I like the most. I think drawing of lots is stupid. I don't like that there's randomness involved. I th- but then you have to show the girls in the bikini, pick the pick up, pick it out of the ball. <laughs> like I, I sometimes I care this, think the CEV and the FIV care more about the drawing of lots than they do, they do the actual else. events. It's by like, far the best produced thing they do all year. 100%. By far, the budget for the drawing the lots is probably a quarter of the overall budget for the the entire event. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so no more of that. No drawing of lots. It's just uh, straight up ranked by criteria and by where you finish in your pool. So I like that better. Just keep that in mind. This is the case for both men's and women's Champions League this year. 
Uh, speaking of CEV competition, Everett, another thing that starts tomorrow is the CEV Cup. So that's the the second tier. Uh, it, CEV Cup men's anyway. The women starts in a couple weeks. Uh, the second tier Italian or not Italian, but European competition. They've been kind of battling out in earlier rounds for a while now, but there there actually are some notable teams playing in CEV Cup this year that are going to be fun. Okay. And uh, I think tomorrow starts the 16th finals. So I think there's there might be 32 teams left at this point. Uh, so it's still very early, obviously. I mean, it's November, but uh, we've got two teams from Italy. We've got Modena and Piacenza. We've only got, I mean, those are both good teams. We've got Skra Belkato from Poland. They're a good team. We've got three French teams, all of whom might be better than the French teams in Champions League. That's uh, Set, Narbonne, and Chamon. And we had two German teams in Lundberg and Hersching. But Hersching already lost in the 32nd finals. So uh, their CEV Cup is over. And then uh, Fenerbahce and Arkas Izmir from Turkey are both pretty good teams. So just like it happens every year, there are usually some CEV Cup games, especially later on in the season, that are awesome. So just wanted to put that on everyone's radar. There's part of me that prefers the CEV Cup and the Challenge Cup to Champions League. And it's mostly because I love those middle of the pack battles. Yes. I love watching Turkey versus France and Belgium versus Germany and those teams. Like we've talked about it before that I just wish that we'd scrap Champions League, CEV Cup and Challenge Cup and just meld everything all together and just rank the teams one through like 70 some and then just have you wait, you wake, work your way up, you know, and then tear it off into three different, three different zones because it's so much fun. Like, we know what Poland versus Italy looks like. We know what Russia versus Italy look like. We know what these top teams, because we see it every... Like, I want to see what the fifth-place teams look like in, in, in every league, you know? That's like, you know, it, it's a team that doesn't necessarily have, like, like Hershing and Lundberg, like Lundberg in the CEV Cup. I want to watch that. Like, like, like Duran's going to get slapped up in the Champions League, so that's I can't not even going to be fun. There. Can't right? believe they're but, there. But Lundberg in the CEV Cup, I think that's going to be a blast. You know, the teams that are only used to be playing their their own like league games and cup games. You know, I I I I love that. So yeah, I I, I sometimes prefer the CEV Cup and the Challenge Cup to the Champions League. Yeah, CEV Cup is cool. Uh, I think the Challenger Cup starts pretty shortly as well. Uh, I'm not sure. It might start tomorrow. Everything kind of seems to be starting tomorrow, or it might have already started. Let's look really quick. Yeah, sure enough, there are a bunch of games in the CEV Challenge Cup tomorrow in the 16th finals. A uh, couple Greek teams couple very random small country teams uh i don't know look that up for yourself if you're interested but uh yeah cv competition at least on the men's side is back in full as of this week and we've got an, about another month and then the women will follow suit so uh check all that out cv youtube is the place to watch most of those games or uh eurovolley.tv is a subscription service you can pay a couple bucks and watch every uh, every european game this year yeah, absolutely. Man, I'm seeing a lot of good stuff in here. I might I might just watch CEV Cup tomorrow. Screw the Champions League. Let's just watch CEV Cup. <laughs> yeah, there's actually not that much tomorrow in Champions League that's that good. I would rather watch CEV Cup tomorrow and then watch Champions League on Thursday. So uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. And then obviously weekend matches in, in Italy, Poland, all that. Uh, but one more thing, Everett, before we kind of take a whole look at the year and celebrate the anniversary of the show... Or this really is just kind of speaking of the anniversary of the show. We've got a very yeah, yeah. special promo on that volleyball. Let's go. Sure. Absolutely. Right? You guys know it. You love it. Or I hope you do. Maybe you learn to love it. But if you want to support Volleyball Source, you want to look good like us, head over to that volleyball.store for all your official merch, 
as you can see, there's a few different, there's a few new items over there. Um, there's the one logo that we all know and love uh, up there. I call it the "If you know, you know." Wink. Um, you know, we got we got some 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 regular stuff trying to trying to look and like look like Nike. But at the end of the day, guys, it's been a year. We're still here. We're still kicking. We're still kicking with 81 square meters of the best volleyball content online. So we're going to give you 25% off. 25% off um, for one week, two weeks maybe. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I didn't put I didn't put an end date on it, but <laughs> you're gonna use you're gonna use the code. Use the code. I'm gonna put it in. Year one. Year one. All capitals. All one word. Year one for the code uh, for 25% off of your entire purchase. Um, since I'm drop shipping this, I may actually lose money on this, but I love you guys. I want you to look good. I want you to support us. And it's been a year, and I, I, I absolutely love it. So, so come support us. Check out that volleyball store. If not, get a membership to YouTube. And if not, hell, just like this video, subscribe to us, comment, and maybe maybe share it with a few friends. That that's all we ask. That's all we ask, and uh, we're in a very celebratory mood as ever at Night Cheers once again. Uh, it's been an awesome year. Uh, it's been just amazing that we started this show a year ago and how far we've come. I mean, Everett and I were talking earlier, like show to show doesn't feel that different. But when we look back on all that we've done, like being in Ottawa and 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 covering world championships and like the, the, the growth and viewership that we've had and the response that we've gotten from all the fans and people in the discord that love watching the show and that look forward to it every week. It's, it's really rewarding to have, to have gotten through a year of this and we're just excited about the future and happy uh, about, uh, about celebrating what, what we've accomplished so far. So we love you guys. Thanks for watching and head over to that volleyball.store uh, with the code year one, a capital Y E A R O N E uh, for 25% off. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rob, is it is it time? I think it's time. I think I think it's time. Uh, I think it's time that we that we take a look at the year in review. As the the nine by nines one year birthday is tomorrow, we had our first show ever on November 9th, twenty twenty one, and we put together this nice little video of just looking back at all the great stuff we did this year. So uh, we'll let that loop. Uh, we will end the show with this video it's about five minutes long uh, I, the whole time i was putting it together i was just smiling and laughing at all the great memories the whole time it's really awesome and we hope you guys like it so we'll, we'll end the show with the video and then the video will be up by itself here on youtube as well very shortly you, so. you, you don't want to come back and and, and and see everyone's reactions afterwards you just, nope. want, you just want to end it end it this with that it. that's it we're right. gonna end it with that Okay, sounds good. Oh, you add post Canada versus Turkey reaction. Oh no, that's that's that was a dark day. We're not <laughs> yeah. we're not going to go there. But okay, that, that, okay. That, was, that was a dark day indeed. All right. So, well, then, do you want to go first? Uh, I was just going to thank everyone real quick. I, I I think I already did that. I thank All the right. people. I you told did. them that I love them very much. Please send us out. Well, th- I want to I want to first and foremost thank Rob, um, for agreeing to do do this with me. It was like what like over a year ago then i was like yo let's let's do a podcast together let's let's start something regularly that uh you know th- something that we would watch so rob thank you for for you and 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 everything you've done um it's been a fantastic year i can't wait to to see what's next and guys don't you fucking worry shit's this is this this is just the beginning uh but also thank you to all of you uh by the from the bottom of my heart um I love talking about volleyball. I love this sport. I love doing it with Rob, but mostly I love that the community that we've built here, whether it's on YouTube or it's on the discord. Um, 
there's many of you who pop up on the chat and on the discord who like despite never having met and some who i have met who uh i consider friends uh and i just want to thank you uh from the bottom of my heart um you know we want to do something that speaks to what we think is the, the you know the, the real volleyball fans of the world those who actually care about the sport and the players that play it and we love to see that there's a reaction not only from you know our own friends within our own country but literally around the world and that to me the fact that we've got people coming in the chat saying good morning we've got people who stay up late at night whether it's in asia or in, or in europe and then there's people who watch all throughout canada the u.s it, it just it it means so much thank you very much and uh can't wait to it for what's coming we love you guys. Well said, Everett. Uh, I love you, buddy. Let's let's all let's all watch this this video together, celebrating the year. And we'll see you next week on the Nine by Nine. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. And we're live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first ever episode of the Nine by Nine Show. My name is Everett Delorme, and join with me, of course, is the one and only Rob St. Clair. Rob, how's it going? Good, Everett. Uh, welcome, boys and girls, to the 9 by 9 the volleyball show that uh, you've always wanted and you didn't even know it. <laughs> uh, welcome. Exactly. I, had a, I had a literal shower thought, like tag taglining the show, like the the best 81 square meters of volleyball coverage on the internet. So uh, thank you guys so much for watching. The main thing is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same 9 by 9 court and the rules are the same. So we... Uh, is that on back your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. Free shout out for you. Um, Once again, three boomers in a trench coat. That's all the FIVB is. Three boomers in the trench coat. Well, how do we how do we follow what soccer does and how do we get us on TV? It's absolute garbage and it's just another reason why the FIVB is just three boomers in a trench coat making random <laughs> ass decisions that have no basis off of anything in reality. I, I will, I'll never get tired of the image of three boomers in a trench coat. I mean, you just got three donged by a team that lost to Denmark, so um, you can go whatever and, and do whatever. Um, but yeah, three donged by a team that lost to Denmark. Put that in the 9 by 9 Hall of Fame right there. That's great. And you have the reigning Olympic gold medalist playing at home. And you, USA Volleyball, the organization, this is on you. You're sending them to Shreveport, Bossier City, Louisiana? Get real, dude. What is? I, I don't understand. Hey guys. Uh, first of all, I, I I want to say I would like to thank myself. You know, you know, for offering you the opportunity <laughs> to acquire some knowledge about the best national team in the world, which is none other than Cuba national team. Yeah, yeah, they do do it every year. Not that they promote it or anything, because you know who would want to celebrate the greatest Canadian volleyball players that we have, right? Wouldn't want to celebrate that. No. Wouldn't, wouldn't want to celebrate that. <laughs> Guys, this is what happens when we go 0 and 9 in sets. I can't. Live? Yeah, we're live. We're, we're, we're live on TikTok as oh, well. No. Yeah. <laughs> what, what an opening. What, 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 a, what a. Dude, Matthias Elser is not a setter. And I'm telling you, this guy is an outside hitter. He reminds me of a better version of Mikhail Kubiak. He is so skilled. He passes so well. He bomb serves from the ace line. He might hit the one of the best big balls in the world, and I'm telling you, you're gonna see this from my highlights. Now, my parents say that uh, they don't like you, eh? <laughs> oh, oh, no. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, we, we gotta hear about this. So, I'm Rob St. Clair, this is Stephen Marr, and I'm on his parents' naughtiness. Uh, 
that our flag was still there even though canada came down and burnt down the white house <laughs> oh say though that star spangled banner yet Everett, was that the worst setting performance by, by Cuba's two setters combined? Was that the worst setting performance in volleyball history? Because I honestly think it might have been. It was embarrassing. I mean, I coached a 16U boys team once that was that was pretty bad, and we didn't really have any setters. Um, <laughs> so other than that, that season where we finished last in the OVA, um, and actually Dan's brother was on, was on, was on that team. Hi, Liam, uh, if, if you're watching. Um, that, other than that, then yeah, that might have been the, the worst setting performance. Robert Landy Simon. The man, the man had more points than attacking attempts this season. Wait, what? Wait a minute. Are no. You, is that a real stat? He had more total points than attempts, so he had he had more aces and blocks combined than than attacking attempts that didn't result in kills. 579 points, 570 attacking attempts. He was the best oh attacker God. on Lube. He was the best server on Lube. He was the best blocker on Lube. It was their leading scorer the entire season. Unreal. From Whoa. the middle. Unreal. Whoa. Uh, if you're aware, the set is a little different. We're side by side. We're here together. And we are here 